Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Come on, let's give the Lord a round of applause this afternoon. Amen, 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 amen. Praise God. We welcome everyone this evening to our Thursday evening Bible study. So so grateful to be in His presence one more time to praise and to worship the Lord. We truly serve an awesome God. I, I don't know about you, but He's so awesome. You know, that song that we used to sing, Awesome, My God is Awesome. He can move mountain. Oh, my God. He's so awesome in every way you can possibly think of. You know, so um, we're so glad to gather tonight in this present to worship him tonight. We're going to invite everyone, if you could stand with us this evening, as we get ready for Bible study today, uh, that whatever the Lord has in store for us will be open. We'll be ready to receive from the Lord tonight, and that we will use the man of God mightily tonight. Amen. Our online congregation, we welcome you tonight. Amen. I hope you do have you. Bible, your paper, and your pen ready to take notes. Amen. It's always a good thing to take notes. You know, sometimes I'm reading and I'm studying. I just have a paper notebook at my hand next to me because you read and you always get an extra little nuggets. And nothing wrong, you know, sometimes, you, you know, back in the days when I used to go to Wendy's to buy like, you know, a little four for four, you need a little extra, you know, because the four for four is not good enough. You always need a little extra, you know, so it's always good when you have your notepad, you can take a little extra note to jot things down. You may hear something that's just what you're waiting for. Amen. So I'm going to ask you to help us to pray tonight that the Lord will have his way in our Bible study tonight and that it will bless us. He will move upon us. Don't forget the people in Ukraine, continue to pray for them. The folks that are in Russia, you know, it's so sad for some of those soldiers. But pray that God's hands will be upon those countries. That, you know, in the midst of what's going on, there will be people there that is ready to give their life to the Lord. Amen. So let's just pray together. Father God, we love you. We come in your presence one more time and we are grateful, O oh God. We thank you, Lord God, for your goodness, for your mercies, and for your love. We thank you, Lord God, for this another privilege that you have given unto us, Lord God, to gather together in this fashion, Lord God. Truly, Lord God, it's nothing good that we have done, but because of your grace, because of your mercies, because of your love. Father God, as we gather in your presence tonight to worship you, we ask you, dear God, that you may forgive us for every sins, O God. We ask you, Lord God, that you will burn out every sins that we have committed in your sight, knowingly and unknowingly. Lord God. We ask you to touch our hearts, our minds, O oh God, creating us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us, O oh God. Cast not thy present away from us and take not thy only spirit from us, Lord God. If there is ever a time we need you, surely we need you now. We need you in the morning. We need you at noontime. We need you in the evening. Father God, we need you every second of the day, Lord God. We ask you, Lord God, that you'll be in us. Oh God, we ask you to transform us, Lord God. We ask you to help us to be what you want us to be and not what we want to be, Lord God. We ask you to speak to our hearts, O oh God. Speak to our minds, O oh God, tonight. Father God, as we pray tonight, if there is any, anyone among us tonight or even on our line tonight that's not well in their body or indeed tonight, Lord God, we ask you, Lord God, as we touch and agree, O oh God, for whatever their needs are tonight, Lord God, we serve in a God that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above that which we ask. Ask or think. And tonight, Lord God, we ask you to move in our midst, 
tonight, Lord God. Move mightily, Lord God. Move like never before, Lord God. Let there be an outpouring of your spirit upon the word, upon the man of God as he come before this, this podium tonight, Lord God, to teach your word, to preach your word. Lord God, whatever, Lord God, you direct him to do, Lord God. We ask that your will will be done, Lord God. Use them as your vessel, Lord God, to, oh God, come forth with your words. Open our minds and our understanding, oh God, so we can receive. Oh God, we can stay in tune, oh God, with what does set the Lord, oh God. We ask you, Lord God, to touch us individually. Touch us collectively, Lord God. Touch those that are sick in their body. Oh God, heal everyone that need healing tonight, Lord God. Father God, as we touch and agree for those people in Ukraine tonight. Those people in Russia, Lord God, tonight. Oh God, we ask your hands to be upon those countries tonight, Lord God. Oh God, we ask you, Lord God, and in the midst, oh God, of chaos, oh God, and confusion, we ask you, Lord God, someone will make up in their mind, Lord God, to give their life to you, to give their all to you, Lord God. For we know your coming is near, nearer than when we first believed. And we ask you, Lord God, to help us to be ready, Lord God. For in such a time, Lord God, when we think it not, oh God, the trumpet will sound. Father God, we ask you to speak to our hearts tonight, Lord God. Oh God, we ask you to manifest yourself through our service tonight, Lord. We ask you, Lord God, that the anointing of God will be upon each and every one as it's come from the man of God, as it pour, Lord God, through him. It will, God, we will receive it, Lord God. We speak to our hearts tonight, our minds. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. And Father God, we thank you in advance for what you're about to do. Let your will be done tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. And come on, let's just give the Lord another round of applause tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Without any further ado, our pastor's coming right up. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, you, Jesus. Glory be to God. Amen. I think we're on. We're on. Amen. Trying to hear. I don't know if I hear myself. I hear myself. Okay. All right. Try and say I have a big mouth. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Uh, April 22nd, Friday, April 22nd, is our district conference. We'll be in Secaucus, New Jersey. Start at 730. We'd love for all of you to be there. We got plenty of advance notice. We'd love for you to come and be there. And uh, God is doing some great things. Amen. I just realized after I checked with Brother White and did the count for um, all the people that were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I am, I am, I don't want to say it's a record, but this is what I do know. I am so confident in the people that prayed for the folks to receive the Holy Ghost that the 30 people that fill with the gift of the Holy Ghost, I feel very confident that it was 30. There are times where we have evangelists that come in and they throw out numbers, and I'm not sure how they get the numbers. And so, you know, I know that the 30 people that was filled with the Holy Ghost uh, over the weekend of the uh, 18th through the 20th, um, I know that they were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so God is doing some great things. Amen. We have to show up if we want to experience some things. 
Amen. So, love for you to come out. Maybe we can get just a little bit of what used to go on back in the day of um, people showing up uh, to conferences and to, um, you know, different services because they just wanted to be in the house of the Lord where the presence of the Lord was just strong and other believers were there. And so I pray you will join us. Uh, the praise and worship team is a mix of people from all the different churches around the district. So that's another thing that's pretty good. You may be seated. Amen. And so it's a great thing. So start figuring out how you're rolling up to Secaucus on April 22nd, for we would love for you to be there. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we've been teaching for the past few weeks about prayer. And I, I said last week I ended our prayer series, and I did. But obviously our lesson probably just don't abruptly end um, where we're not talking about prayer in some way. So we're talking about uh, prayer in some way tonight. And so we're going to look at Acts chapter 13. We're going to start with Acts chapter 13 and we'll read from verse 1 uh, through verse number 5. Amen. Keep Brother Hasker in your prayer. Um, I, I text back and forth with him today. Um, I know he tried to keep his, um, his his minor procedure as minimal as possible as far as, you know, whether it was a big deal or not. But um, keep him in your prayer. It was more than a minor, minor thing. I think it was a little bit higher than minor. <laughs> so... We want him to recover real good and be strong and be able to serve the Lord the way the Lord want him to serve him. So keep Brother Hasker in your prayer that God will continue to heal him and hope, make him whole and strengthen him that he can do the work of the ministry. Amen. April, April. Acts chapter 1. April is on my mind. Amen. I know April is on my mind because, you know, as the um, the district superintendent, when um, when district conferences coming around, uh, we we get a little busy. The, um, all the leaders in the district get a little busy. So we know it's coming. So you all might not know it's coming until you hear about it. But we know it's coming because we normally have to do work to make sure it is organized and uh, everything is being done properly. So April is on my mind. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. Acts chapter 13, verse number one. The scripture says in verse number one, now there were in the church that was at Antioch, the church, make note of that, the church that was at Antioch, certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon or Simon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Mahanian, which had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord, again, take note, I believe it's something to take note when you hear we ministered unto the Lord, they ministered unto the Lord. Okay, 
And as they ministered unto the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, by what? The Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. Jesus, we thank you for your word. And I just ask that you will guide me by your spirit tonight, that you'll quicken me by your spirit tonight, that you'll allow me to flow in your spirit tonight, that you will use me as you please, Lord God. We want your word to have impact in our life, that change may come about, that, Lord, we will become doers of your word and not just hearers only. Will you touch every heart? that every heart will be receptive. Will you touch every mind, that every mind will be clear and understand what the word of God is saying to them individually. Help us, O God, that when we are through tonight, something will be different in us that you would have done, that we may not leave the same way we came in. We ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to teach tonight a little bit on this topic, guided by the Holy Ghost, guided by the Holy Ghost. The text we just read, I'll give you some backdrop to it, following the great initial outpouring of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem, the gospel message, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ spread far and wide. From 120 in the upper room to 3,000 in Jerusalem streets, it was inevitable that the fire of the Holy Ghost ignited in the upper room would eventually consume the known world and the new world yet not known. It was a message that would defy time and space overcome every barrier and reach beyond the disciples' wildest dreams. This is because of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost from the upper room. So when the Holy Ghost was poured out, you know, we have a way of, you know, we we experience an event in in our walk with God and uh we 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 sometimes just leave it at an event. We experience that And we're not realizing sometimes it's not just that, but there is a lot more connected to that that will come even after that. But a lot of times when something happens, we try to leave it on its own merit and just think, well, that's that. It happened. Let's move to the next thing. And we don't realize that a lot of times God is building something. God is a builder. And a lot of times when things happen spiritually, It's a building block. He's building. 
And so we need to pay attention and not just dismiss, okay, well, that's over and done. What's next? You don't want to do that. That was what transpired when the Holy Ghost fell in the upper room when the 120 was in the upper room. They received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but it did not stop there. Many more people started receiving the Holy Ghost. They were unaware of what was to come, but still they walked daily in the Lord's presence and power after they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Born in an atmosphere of prayer, worship, and fasting, the Antioch church caught a vision of broadened harvest field. A man named Agabus, a prophet from Jerusalem, had received a word by the Spirit, whether in a dream or a vision by revelation, that the brethren in Judea needed support. So here's Agabus. He got a revelation or a dream or a vision from the Lord, but by the spirit that the brethren needed support. We don't often think of the kingdom as that way, that sometimes our role within what God is doing is to support the people that God is using. Sometimes that's our role. It doesn't mean that will be your role all the time. You know, we like to be the one that's doing the do, and sometimes our motive is not even right for being the one who is doing the do, right? Sometimes our motive to be the one who's doing the do is just so we can be recognized. But 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 what we want to realize that the way God sees things is if he's using little Jordan here to do something and I'm helping Jordan, God don't see any difference because we're both doing what God wants us to do. We may focus on little Jordan and say, wow, look what God is doing with little Jordan. But God is looking at the two of us as you're both doing what you're supposed to do. And that's something that I think that as, as Christians, as the body of Christ, we need to be, be comfortable with. That whatever it is that God has said you need to do, that we just do it and just realize it's okay. It doesn't make you less than. You're not doing less than someone else. You are doing what God wants you to do. There is, you can't become any more perfect than that when you're serving the Lord. When you're doing what God says do, I don't care what anyone else think about what you are doing. As long as you're doing what God says do, you are in the perfect will of God and you are perfectly suited in whatever you're doing if you're doing what God say do. So to look around and, and, and wish and think that why am I not doing this and doing that? The question you need to ask yourself is, is that what God wants me to do? Because if it's not, you don't want to do it if that's not what God wants you to do. So Agabus saw the need to support these men of God, and so he did. In the text we read in Acts chapter 13, what we've just gone over, men were praying and fasting at the church, and they had heard the voice or the, 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 the Spirit of God instruct them to separate Barnabas and Paul for the work whereunto the Lord had called them to. 
They had fasted, they prayed, and then the church laid hands on them and sent them away to do the work that they had been equipped to do. Isn't it interesting? They're in the church, but now the church is sending them away from the church. Uh huh. This was direct. When the church sent them away, it was a direct response to spiritual instructions and guidance from the Holy Ghost. Therefore, Barnabas and Paul were sent out as evangelists to Antioch. God had already chosen Paul to minister to the Gentiles, and now he summoned Barnabas, Paul did, to labor with him. The church confirmed their calling, commissioned the men, and sent them forth. Now, there's a lot that's going on there, and I will work with you a little bit and explain some of the things. A lot of times we get mixed up our calling. We think that, you know, when we get saved is our calling. Preached about this before, but you might have missed it. We're all called to be saved. That's not our calling. We're all called to be saved, but that's not our calling. God wants us all saved. But after we're saved, then comes the equipping process for our calling. And a lot of people get into the church, get saved, and misunderstand and think that you being saved, you had fulfilled your calling. I got saved. That's what Jordan used to preach when he... My Jordan used to preach when he said, baby, I got saved. That was, that was his favorite sermon. I got saved. <laughs> and so all of us are called to be saved, but we're supposed to now, after we're saved, discipled and equipped for the work of the ministry. In Acts chapter, I'll show it to you. In Acts chapter 9, verse number 10. The word of God says, and there was a certain disciple at the Damascus named Ananias. Man, we don't talk about Ananias enough. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, behold, I am here, Lord. That's already, I'm, I'm kind of jelly. But you all don't, the kids know what I'm talking about. Kind of jelly. It means the Lord had Ananias on speed dial for him to say, Ananias, and the only thing Ananias, I'm here, Lord. It's like, it's like you're standing on guard just waiting for the Lord to talk. I like that. Ananias, that's what the Lord said. I'm here, Lord. Woo. I got I to gotta get into that, into that kind of posture with the Lord where he just called him, I'm here, Lord. But that's what Ananias' relationship was. With the Lord. Verse 11. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarshish. For behold, he prayeth and had seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming to him. So 
Saul, who became Paul, was praying. Oh, God, help me. He was blind. Down, down in the street, called straight, blind, panicking probably, wondering what in the world just happened to me. Not long ago, I was able, well, three days ago, I was able to see clearly. I was taking people out of their houses, and I was persecuted, and now I can't see? Oh, help me. So, you know, when we get in trouble, we start praying for real. We start playing, play, play pray, prayers. We start praying for real when, when it gets serious. So Paul started praying for real. He got serious on him. And so Paul is praying. Verse 12 says, and had seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands or his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Verse 13. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he had done to thy saints at Jerusalem. You need to underline that in your Bible. You need to write that down. That scripture right there, you need to do it. Why should you do it? Because we have to realize it don't matter how much evil, how much someone has gone left, how much they have done wrong. If God is calling them to be saved, you and I job is to help them get saved regardless of what evil they have done. We don't have any say so in the matter. We, the Lord, call our name and we say, here I am. Sister Cole can tell you about um, this one guy in Jamaica that he was just a wicked criminal. But one morning, the Lord led him to the church. What was she going to tell him? Oh, you're not getting saved here this morning. You too, <laughs> you too messed up. You got to go. <laughs> she didn't do that. Brought the man in, prayed for him, baptized him in Jesus' name, and the man was living for God. We cannot get in a place where we look at actions of people and disqualify them when it comes down to the things of God. We have to realize that God is in control, and if God calls somebody to, to, to do his will, then our job is to do everything we can to support them to do God's will. If they don't do God's will, their blood is on their hands. But don't let their bloods be on your hand because you didn't do your part. Because when God's will is supposed to be done, it takes more than one person. It's the working, the operation of the Holy Ghost. People being used by God. And whatever God called you to do, do your part so people's blood will not be on your hands. But when you refuse to do your part because you think, I just, I just can't. Their blood is on your hands too. Their blood might be on their hands for rejecting it, but their blood is on your hands for not doing your part. Uh huh. And so Ananias complaining to the Lord. And Ananias, again, has a great relationship with the Lord, but he complaining. Verse 14. And here he had authority. Ananias still complaining. He had authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, go thy way. In our language, stop complaining. Just shut up. Just just shut up. Just go do what I want you to do. (laughs) For he is a chosen vessel unto me. The man that was persecuting Christians, the Lord say, He is a chosen vessel. Key word chosen. 
God already called him to be saved, but he's already chosen because there is something great that he was going to do for the Lord. So you're called to be saved, but you're chosen to go do something for the Lord that the Lord had called you to as your profession in the Lord. Doesn't come overnight. You got to get equipped for that. He's a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him and said, you know, now when we lay hands, we're, we're in the book. We're not doing something weird. We're in the book. It says here, after the Ananias left the presence of the Lord, after he had his conversation with the Lord, and the Lord said, just go. After he left, he went and found Paul. And he laid his hands on Paul and said, he didn't say Paul. What did he say? Brother Saul. Because he already heard from the Lord that this is a chosen vessel. So once he heard that from the Lord, it's a done deal. There's no discussion. This man is saved and maybe he hasn't yet experienced his transformation, but God already said he's saved. So let me just go and do my part. He laid hands on him and says, brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto thee. So here we go now. Ananias is saying, I know you already had an encounter with him. I know he already spoke to you about me. And so here I am. So God has orchestrated this meeting where he spoke to Saul already. Then he speaks to Ananias. Then he gets the meeting going. And now Ananias come as the one in authority sent by God to do God's will. The Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou comest, had sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Nobody don't talk enough or enough people don't talk that Ananias prayed the Apostle Paul through to receive the Holy Ghost. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Apostle Paul wrote, Two-thirds of the New Testament, Bible that we read every, whenever we read it. And guess what? The man that suffered the most, the man that was the last apostle but was considered the greatest apostle, this man prayed for him and he received the Holy Ghost. Prayed for him, he received his sight. Prayed for him, he received the Holy Ghost. We don't talk enough about Ananias. But he was used by God powerfully to help get Paul on the right track, help get him saved, prayed him through to the Holy Ghost. It is the ministry of the Holy Ghost working through the local church to equip and enlist believers to go forth and serve. We have kind of downplayed, you know, we, we only see the church or oftentimes we see the church as the place where we go to go get our fill up, where we go to go be encouraged, where we go to, to, to be blessed. But the church is all of that, but it's a whole lot more than that. And part of what the church is, we're supposed to come together and get equipped. 
Yeah, whenever I talk about we got work to do, I don't get good feedback from you. If I tell you, I told you, if I want to be a crooked preacher, you know, y'all want me to go on the, on the circuit and just be a crooked preacher for about three months and just tell people how good God is and all that stuff, we'll raise the money for our building in no time. Because, because people love to hear when you tell them something good that God's going to do for them. They'll drop money in the bucket quickly. If, if I go around and preach for about 90 days, Brother D, and just tell people how good God is and what he's going to do for them, man, we'll raise, our, we'll raise a million dollars quickly. But when you start telling people that they have work to do, they get quiet. Work. Work. What work? I'm supposed to come to church and feel good. Work. But the part of the church's responsibility is when people come in and we help them to get saved, they get baptized in Jesus' name, we pray for them and they receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, we're supposed to teach them, disciple them till they become grown-ups, mature Christian in the Lord, and then they become equipped so they now can do the work of the ministry. But we just want to come in church and get saved and just... Enjoy the benefits, and that's it. Well, I'll keep going. We're called by God to be saved. We are then equipped by the church and empowered by the Spirit to go and do, but the go must be confirmed by those in leadership in the church. Here's another thing. If you are in a church... And you have an issue with the church, you're in trouble. Because your, your, your calling of what you will do for God must be confirmed in the church. And if you just go on your own and do whatever you want, you're out of order. And then God can't, can't, can't he, he, he don't protect you and work in you because God works in order, decent and in order, so you can't just run and go do whatever you want. So the church must confirm your calling in, in God. So we need to make sure the church that we're in, we believe in it. The church that we're in, we're standing for it. The church that we're in, we're standing behind it. The church that we're in, we're participating in it. Because if that's not your situation, you will never be used mightily by God. You can't. God cannot override his rule. His rule is, guess what? Even though I called you before the foundation of the world, the bottom line is your calling must be confirmed. I can't just have you operate like a renegade and nobody can confirm that you've been called by God. Only you walk around, well, I know God called me. There's a lot of people walking around since I know God called me, and they are either corrupt, in trouble, or nothing is a mountain of their ministry because they call themselves. You can't call yourself. You got to be called by God. And the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. So the bottom line is even for your calling, it got to be established by other elders. <laughs> so we got to do right when we're in church. If not, we'll never go any further than where we are. And God called us to the kingdom because he has chosen us not just to be saved, but to do other things. We must seek the guidance and the influence of the Holy Ghost in everything we do, especially in going to do the work of the ministry. 
In John chapter 14, verse number 26, the Bible says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. We need the Holy Ghost to operate in our life. God gives instructions by his spirit. Prayer, fasting, worshiping, studying, and obedience to the word of God gives birth to spiritual direction. So let me share this with you. When you pray, we have to do a whole lot better with praying and after we're done praying, waiting to get a response. We have to do a lot better with praying and when we're done praying, wait to get a response. I will rather, if you have 15 minutes to pray, I will rather you pray five minutes and wait 10 minutes. If you have a half hour to pray, I'd rather you pray 15 minutes and wait 15 minutes. If you happen to have, you know, over an hour, then pray for an hour, but wait after you're done. We have to wait to be guided by the Holy Ghost. We're praying, and then once we're done, we go and do what we think or whatever just comes up to do. We just do it, but we never stop to say, I need the Holy Ghost to guide me now that I've prayed. And when we prayed, did we ask God questions? Did we ask him for response? Did we ask him for direction? Because if we did, why are we going if we didn't hear anything? So when we pray, we should be asking, Lord, what should I do today? What direction should I drive today? Lord, is there someone that you have in store for me to be a witness to? I, I read the scripture with Ananias and Paul. I'm sure you could be talking to somebody and have me go talk to them and help them to get. Who is it today that I should talk to, Lord? Are we praying like that? And if you pray like that, now you got to stop and wait because you ask questions. You need guidance. You need instructions. You need directions. So we cannot just pray and get up and go. We have to pray and wait to hear from the Lord, to receive instructions from the Lord, to receive guidance. When you pray and you go, did you pray? Or did you just tell God what you thought? What good is it to tell God what you think and never get to hear nothing about what he says? What good is that? So we need to learn to express ourselves in prayer to God and wait. So go back to the time that you allot yourself whenever you're going to pray. And then figure out how much time you're going to pray and how much time you're going to wait to hear from the Lord. God wants to talk to us. That is from the Holy Ghost, I'm telling you. God wanted me to share that with you tonight. That take time to pray and wait. Don't pray and keep moving. Pray, ask questions. Petition God for whatever you want to petition with. 
petition him with. If there's something that just seems to, you know, you've been praying about is not changing. Say, God, I've been praying about this and maybe I need to stop praying, but I just haven't heard anything from you about this. Should I still keep praying about this or should I just leave it alone for now? What do you want me to do, Lord? And wait for God to tell you he is. So here's the second part of what I'm saying about this. He will not always tell you something orally, vocally. He may guide you by the Holy Ghost. And that's probably the major way you will receive a response from him. You won't hear an audible voice most of the times. Most of the times when you pray and seek God and ask God for questions, ask him questions, he is normally going to respond by guiding you by his spirit. You might sense some kind of impression of just feel like I just need to get up now. I just need to go take a shower right now. I need to drive to Walmart right now. Just just these prompting that he will do in your heart and in your mind. And because you know you sincerely prayed, then you know it has to be him. It can't be you. You just ask a whole lot of questions in prayer. And here comes the prompting. Here comes the guiding of his spirit in something to do. But we got to get up and go. We got to be ready. We can't, we can't, you know, not go because this is... What I've always done. This is my routine. This is how I operate. And so now, you know, you're going to wait till nine o'clock when you always did that. No, if he said, go now, then you go now. But that's when you're waiting to hear from God. You prayed and you saying, God, I need, I need guidance. And then he gives you the guidance. You got to get up and go. We have to cultivate a spiritual atmosphere in our life. To give the Lord the opportunity to minister to us, to, to guide us by his spirit. We must learn to hear his voice in order to be led by his spirit to reach people who are hungry. Spiritual directions requires preparation. Spiritual directions, direction requires preparation. To receive the spiritual direction that will guide not just the big picture of our lives, but the frame to frame of every day. The element of self-examination and self-preparation must be present. If we just every day say, God, guide me and lead me, but never pray, we don't make ourselves a fertile ground for the spirit of God to work. Back to what I said about Ananias. Ananias, here I am, Lord. That's, that's really interesting to me. That, that God can say, Ananias, and he's, here I am, Lord. It tells me Ananias was in a, 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 a perpetual state of, of prayer. And sometimes prayer don't mean I'm always sitting or standing or walking or on my knees. It just means my mind is so always connected to the Lord. Even when I'm walking, I'm saying, Lord, I love you. You know, I was coming up on a train today and I smiled. I said, you know. The only time the mass work good is, is, is when I can just ride on a train and praying under my mask and nobody can see my mouth le moving and I'm praying on the train and nobody knows. 
But we have to take every opportunity to just engage the Lord because you never know when he wants to say something to you. You never know when he's going to give you a task to do. Are you ready to do what God will put into your heart to do? Paul, in writing to the Romans, noted noted that we must mind, think on, and pay attention to the things of the spirit rather than the flesh. In Romans chapter 8, verse 4, it says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. We read that, we quote that, we say that, but how do we do that? Stand in constant perpetual thoughts of the Lord and and engage in conversation. The words that you're saying, what are you saying? Are you singing a song under your breath? Whatever it is, are you are you talking to him in your heart? Whatever you're doing, are you engaging the Lord as you move about it during your day? Or you're just engaged completely on other things. You can do your job and still encounter the Lord or be connected with the Lord. You don't have to wait over here, Lord. Let me let me do this job right here because, you know, no, no, you you can keep God right in just just connected and engaged with you while you're doing anything else in your life. Mm -hmm. Verse five says, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. I'll do. Something that counselors will tell you to do. Get a sheet of paper. Draw a line down the middle. On one side, flesh. Other side, spirit. And list how many things you do daily. That's fleshly. List all the things you do over here. That's spiritual. And see which list is longer. Then you know if you're walking in the spirit or you're walking in the flesh. All of our activities, what are we doing? When you're talking to people, are you sizing them up to see how you can begin to minister the word of God to them? Or you just engage and let them pull you into their worldly conversation? Because you can, you can be ministering to people in your encounter with them. You know? <laughs> I've learned over the years how to, how to talk to my coworkers without saying Jesus, but ministering to them. You got to learn that. When you walk in the spirit, you got to learn that. The other day I had a co-worker, her house, the, her next door neighbor house burned down. And because the houses were adjoining, her house got damaged by smoke and not good. She had to move out of her house and she got to live someplace else. Um, while they're trying to, you know, get estimates and everything. And she was stressed out and everything. And so um, she worked for another co-worker of mine, and they were in her office, and I knocked on the door, and she was just stressed out. We got to be together. We can fool ourselves and think we can stay apart all we want. I knocked on her door, went in the office, and they said, she, you know, she was just quiet. And her, her and her boss have a really good relationship. And her boss was saying to me, Man, she's just, you know, telling me the whole story. Why she's sitting there? She couldn't talk. And I just went into ministering. Didn't didn't say Jesus. Didn't say anything. 
but I just went into just that mode of encouraging her. Just went into that mode, and and she 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 said to me, you know, I feel like you know when I used to do at least some godly things, you know, my life seemed to have been better. So I said, your personality and who you are, and I really believed it, so I wasn't just pumping her up. It's true. I said, your personality and who you are. You are a giver and a doer. She is just like that. She she is one of those people that lift people up. And now she was down and out. And by the time I got done with her, man, they ran around to my office. Her boss ran around. She's a different person now. Because you just encourage. You can minister. You can you can be connected to the spirit of God and minister to people without saying, you know, Jesus loves you. You know, you because you're at work. And you got to be careful what you say because, you know, before you know it, people coming at you and you're only just trying to love them and help them. Yeah, here trying to propagate the gospel. So you have to learn how to be a witness at work, how to how to encourage people at work without saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We got to do it. That's when you're being guided by the Holy Spirit. And not just doing your own thing. We got to realize every move we make, God could be in it directing us on how to minister and to help somebody else. Once we are spiritually prepared to be empowered witnesses, God begins to give spiritual direction to us, to those who are seeking. Here is some big boy prayer. It's nothing wrong with saying, God, I've done this. God, you're not using me. What is it? I'm not right. (laughs) Oh, y'all afraid to do that, huh? Oh, please. If 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 I don't feel like God is using me and he's and I don't feel like he's working through me, I I talk to him about it. I'm like, Lord, is something wrong with me? Did I mess up that bad? Do I what do I need to do to get it right? Because I want to be used by you. I'm okay with that. He's okay with that. Because what's the underlying thing that you're praying about. I want to be a part of what you're doing. I want to be used by you. So God will never frown on you when you feel like, you know, it's been a minute and you don't feel like you have done something for the Lord. You, you, you don't feel like you have, you know, been, been used by him. It's okay to say, God, why do I feel like I haven't been used by you? Am I not living right? Am I like off doing my own thing? What is wrong? It's okay. It's okay. Talk to him that way. But you can only talk to God like that when your motives are pure. (laughs) Your motives got to be pure. You can't be trying to trick God, be saying those things when you know deep down you don't want to do nothing because God reads the mind, right? So that's the one person you can't mess around with. He reads your mind, so you can't just go try to say words just to say words to him. He reads your mind. So you got to be straight up and honest with him when you say these things. Finish up in a minute here. Three outstanding examples of spiritual direction are found in the book of Acts. Now, this is in the Bible, but the book of Acts is filled with these spiritual guidance of the, you know, the the spirit of God just guiding people. The scripture we read in Acts chapter 9, verse 10 through 17, as the Lord Jesus directed Ananias and Ananias went and laid hands on him, on Paul and prayed and he received his sight and was filled with the Holy Ghost. That's that's being led by the spirit, guided by the spirit, because God is guiding the apostle Paul and he's guiding Ananias and he brought them together. And guess what? God's will was done. Also, here's another example. 
In Acts chapter 10, when Cornelius prayed, God answered. Cornelius sent men to Peter to find Peter. And while they were knocking on the door downstairs, Peter was on the roof experiencing a vision that would change the trajectory of the gospel for eternity. So this faithful man, this faithful man named Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, he, the Bible called him a devout man. Now, he wasn't, I, I, I use this, I used, to, I used to teach this in prison all the time when I couldn't get to baptize my folks in prison. Um, I, I, I don't know, somebody need to be praying to go into prison. The other day, one of my um, um, garbage men uh, um, saw me in the street, wasn't even on my street, but they saw me someplace and he was talking to me and he had a guy that was working with him and he said, you, you don't know this guy? You know, um, you know, this is a pastor. You need to know him. And the guy said, oh, I know him. I know him. He used to come to APOD and teach us. So there's a there's a plenty of people out in the streets that I used to teach down at the workhouse. And I missed that. As a matter of fact, I just heard from one of the guys that's doing some. He was doing 11 years. Tim might be doing. I don't know. His time might be short now because they're supposed to be doing a, 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 a walk for gun violence. There's so much that's going on. We got to pray and ask God to get us involved so we can do something for the kingdom. But anyway, Cornelius, I used to teach this in the jail because Cornelius was not baptized in Jesus name. Cornelius was not filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, but God called him a devout man. And so with us, sometimes we want to judge people and say what they're not and they're not this and they're not that. And we, you know, this is where I learned that all of us in our growth in God are in different places and we don't need to, 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 uh, you know, give anyone a hard time for where they are in their growth in God. So we just have to love them, and if they ask questions and you want to teach them, you teach them. When they come to church, they'll learn, but everybody learn differently. I just had a training class at work. We just started five people Tuesday, and already we got rid of one. It's crazy. One seemed like she having a hard time comprehending we might have to get rid of her too. But everybody is on different levels. That's not the same in the kingdom. We can't just get rid of people in the kingdom because we think that they're not growing quick enough. You can't do that. It's not your kingdom. You're not the king. Jesus is the king. Jesus is the king of his kingdom. We're just a part of it helping along the process. So you can't just judge and say, they need to be further than that. You know how long they've been in church? Yeah. And and they just don't catch on as quick and don't make any don't don't get any further into it. The bottom line is they just haven't caught on yet, because if they caught on, they would have done better. It's like, man, too much stuff going on here. Help me, Jesus. It's like I'm going to give you a good one. I know and I've spoken to someone that I know is going to start a church. And they said to me that they don't believe. Holiness is really important the way how we see it. It means all these years they've been in church, they never really understood the scripture when it's talking about being holy and what does that mean? So what I'm trying to say to you is sometimes people are big physically, 
but mentally. They need a whole lot more growing because they weren't taught certain things. Or when it was being taught, they didn't listen. And so they are going to start something up and they're saying, yeah, but we don't like this because we don't think that's that important. The Bible says, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. So we better come to grips and terms and understand what does holiness really mean? And you can't ask what it means according to your understanding. Ask what does the Bible teach us holiness means. And when you get taught what holiness means, you just need to do it. Whether you like it, whether you understand it or not. Because guess what? When you were sick and you needed us to pray for you to be delivered from your sickness, you, you, you were okay with us anointing you with oil? You were okay with us laying hands on you and praying the prayers of faith when you got healed? You were okay with that. Well, the Bible taught that. That's why you're okay. Well, the Bible teach holiness and holiness is from the inside out. And we must be holy from the inside out. So everybody don't get it right away. It's okay. You hear me say in this church all the time. Just be honest with yourself when you're living for God. Don't trick yourself. Don't deceive yourself. Be honest with yourself. If you feel like you're not at a place where you know you should be, then that's part of your prayer. God, why am I struggling with this? Why am I not doing this? I know I'm supposed to do this. Why am I not doing it? What's holding me back? I need you to deliver me from whatever it is that's holding me back because I want to be who you want me to be. But don't walk around and, and act like, you you know, it's okay that you're not doing this. Understand that you're not doing it and you need to do something about that. Listen, there are Christians that still lie. They like to lie. Yeah, there are Christians that still lie. Don't act like that lie is the truth. Just call yourself out and says, I still got problem with lying. Lord, help me to overcome my lying tongue. I'm just saying, this is how you grow. Who you know ever got delivered from alcohol that never admitted they're alcoholic? You're not going to get delivered from from holy, from, from, you're not going to be able to get delivered so you can become holy, living holy, dressing holy, you know, speaking holy. You're not going to get to that if you keep telling yourself, I don't see why that's necessary. Okay. You're not being honest. You need to say, God, something is not right in me. Why I'm not getting it because clearly if I go in your word, clearly it shows us that we are supposed to be holy, which means, first of all, we're supposed to distinguish ourselves um, um, as far as gender is concerned. We're supposed to always be modest in how we present ourselves. We're supposed to always look different from the world. We're not supposed to dress like the world and look like the world. That's Bible. I'm telling you, be honest with yourself. I am trying to tell you, be honest with yourself. It will help your relationship with God. Call yourself out and say, why am I not doing this? 
And if it's something that's that you don't see in the scripture, that that's why you're not doing it. Then if you hear it preach, come see me and say, Pastor, I heard you preach this and I never see that in the scripture. Can you show me in the scripture where that is, please? And we'll get into that. Another example of the spirit working, God working on both ends is with the Ethiopian eunuch found in Acts chapter 18. It started with direction and the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip saying, arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert, right? The direction from the angel was very specific as to where to go. Philip was obedient when and went to the place he was directed and found a man on a chariot. When Philip caught up with the chariot, he heard the man reading aloud from the book of Isaiah. There in the desert, as they journeyed together, Philip explained the scripture to him and preached unto him Jesus. This is what I'm talking about, Lukey. You can read your Bible and, and see these things. And so now you go to God in prayer and say, Lord, I read where Philip was just doing his, you know, just staying connected with you. And the angel of the Lord came and talked with him and told him was to go to the desert. And when he got there, there was a eunuch, an Ethiopian eunuch that was reading his Bible that couldn't understand. And he got instruction to pull up next to him and help him out. Why aren't we praying, say, God, there's somebody that's seeking and searching and wanting to know you. Can you direct me to them so I can be of help? So when I go there, I'm not working hard. When I go there, they know right away I'm there because the Lord sent me. Because most of the times when we encounter people, we got to break the ice. We got to work slowly to try to get them to buy into what we're saying and who we are. And it takes a minute. But if God was already talking to them and we roll upon them, they know right away this is a meeting that God organized. So let me just go ahead and just go right to it. That's why we need to pray and say, God, direct me where to go. Lord, show me who I need to talk to, because if God already spoke to them and you get spoken to by God to go and talk to them, then we know it's going to be a great meeting. And when they were come out of the waters, Philip went and, and, and when they had come to water, Philip baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. We need to be guided by the spirit church. This is what I'm talking about. We need to seek the Lord and we need to wait to hear from the Lord. God will talk to you. As I mentioned, you don't have to worry about anything. Uh, Cornelius was not baptized in Jesus' name. Cornelius was not filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. But God sure enough spoke to him. So you're not disqualified. God will speak to you if your motives are right. If your motives are right, God will give you guidance. He will speak to you because what he will do is he will guide you how to get saved. So if your motives are right and you want to get saved, if your motives are right and you want to please God, if your motives are right and you want to get delivered, God will speak to you. But if your motives are not right, then God don't speak to us when our motives are not right. Because God doesn't waste his time to tell you anything when he knows you don't really want to know it. Your motives ain't right. But if your motive is right, God will speak to you. 
spiritual direction will lead us to the exact time and place where the hungry hearted souls await. If we will stay ready, God will do the rest. Ananias, I'm here, Lord. (laughs) It will also keep us from going where there is danger or going where people are not yet ready. One of the things that I don't want to do is, is to go and try to reach people that are just not ready to receive what I have to say. It's wasting my time and it's wasting their time. I want to go and talk to people who the Lord had prepared their heart and their mind so when I reach them, they're ready to hear. And sometimes we have to realize, that's a biggie. We just feel like because we're Christians, automatically we're supposed to do something. But we can't just do it automatically. I told you the story one time that Brother Readout went to um, Indiana College, the University of Indiana, to do a seminar up there. And when he got there, a demonic spirit was working through a guy saying, Clifford Readout, I know you're here. And, and the guys that he was with was like, aren't you going to cast the devil out? And the guy was in a wheelchair. Aren't you going to cast the devil out? And Brother Readout was like, no. And... We have to battle trying to be spiritual because here is Clifford Readout. You know, everybody knows him. He's an authority in the word of God and powerful man of God. Why won't he go cast the demons out? The Lord didn't tell him because, again, what he did. Father, without anybody knowing, do you want me to go and cast this demon out or don't you? He never heard anything from God, so he never went. He held his peace. And so the people that were with him was just wondering. He went his way. Later on, they were in the service and some guys went over, try to cast the demon out of the wheelchair guy and the wheelchair guy embarrassed them. They never cast any demon out of him. So don't worry about how you're going to look. Worry about, did you hear from God? Don't worry about how you're going to look. We're not here to say, look at me and what I'm doing. No, talk to God and hear what he's saying. I told you the simple little testimony the other day just to help and build build our, our, our faith that there are times when I'm going to go pray and I know it's done because I heard from God. When Sister Cole was in the hospital, I heard from God. It's a done deal. So I'm just doing what he says do, but I already know. The other day, Jordan wasn't feeling good, and when I was going to go pray for him, the Holy Ghost let me know he get his flu getting ready, his fever was getting ready to go. I didn't even touch him yet. Fever getting ready to go, and I had many of instances before I even started praying. The Holy Ghost says it's done. There's other times I'm gonna go pray. I didn't hear nothing, but I pray anyway. I want to get it to the place where the Spirit of God is revealing instructing and guiding as to what we're going to experience what's getting ready to happen if we will just take the time and listen for the lord to tell us then we will see things happen but if we just keep running around and going here and going there and you know just trying to work in our own strength we won't see as much as we need to see romans 8 and 14 says for as many as are led by the spirit of god they are the sons of God. Christians must seek to be led by the Spirit of God. I'm not going to get any further. I'm going to stop right here. 
we need to be guided by the spirit and we don't need to rush, rush, rush. I thought about something this evening. I remember when I first started preaching. When you first start preaching, you don't minister, you preach. It's the difference. And so you start first start preaching, you know, you're just preaching. You know, you you know, you're anointed and you're fired up and you're just bringing the smoke, but you're not ministering. You're just excited. Spirit of God is moving on you and sometimes you don't even know what to do because you never experienced that. Because whenever you're getting ready to go minister to a group of people, God will anoint you to do it. And so if you're not used to it, you kind of don't really know what you are doing in the spirit. And so the spirit of God is moving on you, but you don't know. You're not mature enough to know what, how to handle it. And sometimes you just, you're just overwhelmed. And, 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 and you never really get to minister because you're just excited. But over the years, I learned to minister. And ministering is usually waiting on the prompting of the Lord. Ministering is allowing the spirit of God to guide you into the things that you must say. Ministering is to allowing, as you read the scripture, to allow the Holy Spirit to just kind of begin to reveal, illuminate your mind as to what you're reading. Ministering is waiting on the Lord and not doing what you want to do. And so as we grow up in God, we start to minister. We're not just blah, 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 and just being excited. It's great to be excited. It's more powerful to wait upon the Lord and to be guided by his spirit. And so we need to start working on that. When we pray, every day we wake up before we go out into the streets, we need to give time to just speaking to the Lord, making our petitions known unto him and follow the prompting and the leading of his spirit. It is very important that we live our life that way. As I said last week, we need to start working smarter and not harder. And in the kingdom of God, smarter means waiting on the Lord. Harder means just using your sheer force. Your strength, doing what you think needs to be done. Well, the Lord says this because, as I said, there's sometimes you go and do things because you're saying, why wouldn't I do this? It's, it's godly. But remember what I told you. Brother Readout never cast out that demon because the Lord told him not to. The Lord didn't, didn't give him an answer. So sometimes when you think you should say something, doesn't mean you should say something. Not because you think the words that you're getting ready to say is godly. Wait for the Lord to prompt you to say, speak, go, do, whatever the case may be. Wait for him. Just don't go and do it. Oh, you need to go witness to so-and-so. Why? Because if so-and-so heart is cold and callous and unresponsive, what, 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 I'm just going to go make them mad and make myself mad probably too. But if I've been praying for so-and-so for a while and the Lord says, all right, go, it means it's time. When God speaks, when God gives direction, when God begins to guide, that's when we know surefire is a done deal. When God steps in, it's done. This is why Ananias could go to Paul and say, brother Saul, because he knew it was a done deal. 
as much as I was panicking and worried about this crazy man because he was going around persecuting people. Now that the Lord said, don't worry about it, I'm no longer worried about it. He's a brother now because I know if God sent me to go pray for him because he's a chosen vessel, then he's going to be a chosen vessel. When we hear from God, it's a done deal. Every other way we do it, we're hoping. But when we hear from God, it's a done deal. Unless we're going to go declare the word of God. We just might as well save ourselves some time and energy if it's not by the Lord. Amen. Let's stand. Guided by the Holy Ghost. We need to do a whole lot more in making sure we're being guided by the Holy Ghost. And not just doing our thing. Does anyone have any question before we pray? Guided by the Holy Ghost. I know sometimes we anticipate and we, you know, when we're coming through the church doors, we have an expectation of what we feel like we want to hear. Boy, tonight I need blah, 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 blah. But we're going to work smarter and not harder in this church. When you hear me say smart and not harder, I'm telling you, we're going to work by the power of the spirit and not by just our own strength. That's that's what I'm saying when I say work smarter, not harder. We're working by the power of the spirit of God and not by our own strength, because when God calls the shot, it's a done deal. Every other way we do it, you know, it's just it takes a lot out of us. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's pray. I know you all a little bit um, worn out from the heat, but God will help us. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for the opportunity to come together one more time. Father, we look to you, for you are at the center of all that we're endeavoring and wanting to do. And without your prompting, without your guidance, without, Lord God, you being involved, whatever we do will not, oh God, prevail. It will not last. For only what we do for Christ will last. And so tonight, we're coming sincerely to you to say, Jesus, we want to be guided by your spirit, Lord God. We've worn ourselves out so often trying to do what we think is right, trying to do what we think the Bible say we should do. But God, if we will trust you and look to you and, oh God, seek you to give us guidance by your spirit to put impressions in our heart and even to speak to us audibly that Lord whatsoever it is that you say however you're guiding us we know it will be done and so Lord I pray tonight that every person under the sound of my voice will allow the word that they just heard to take root into their heart and to begin, O oh God, to grow and produce good fruit. For Lord, it is your will we want done. It is your kingdom we want to come. And Lord, without you being involved, it's meaningless whatever we do, Lord God. Without you being at the center of whatever 
we're doing. It's meaningless what we're doing. So we ask tonight, Almighty God, that you will help us, that we will not dismiss this word or reject this word. Oh, God, but we will ponder this word in our heart. Oh, God, move on us to ponder this word in our heart, Lord God. That, Lord, as we, oh, God, move from this service, Lord Jesus, tonight, that, Lord, we will begin to live by the guidance of the Spirit of God, that we will allow you to speak to us, allow you to guide us, allow you to help us, and not just do what we feel. We don't want to be guided by our flesh, but we want to be led by the Spirit of God. Help us to be quick to hear, slow to speak, Lord God, slow to wrath, Lord God. Help us to hear from the Spirit of God and to do what you want us to do. I pray tonight, Lord God, that you will help each and every one of us to truly process what we've heard here and become doers. Bless us as we go to our respective place of dwelling. And, oh, God, I pray that you will bring us back Saturday morning for our prayer breakfast, Saturday evening for our corporate prayer, and then bring us back Sunday morning for a move of your spirit. We thank you, we praise you, we honor you, and we love you. For all these things we pray, we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Somebody say, in Jesus' name, God bless you. Have a great rest of your night.